Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Uh, you may be seated tonight. And if you could just linger on there a little bit. The presence of the Lord is so tangible to me. Minister Micah would just do what you do and just play, please. church because we just had so many issues that we needed help. I'll make it personal. It used to be that I just came to church because I just needed touch from God and I needed help. I was like so broken. God brought healing to me enough so that I could get a wife. Hallelujah. (laughs) And truth is, God healed her too so that we wouldn't kill each other. And we could have a, he gave us a foundation and we got healed after we got married. You know, it wasn't, we were all, have our act together. Well, we loved God with all our heart, but we still needed lots of healing. We had a firm foundation, at least a start of one. And so we would come to church. We never missed a service. Oh, it's not because we had to. We didn't have to. Well, at first, mom would have really hurt me if I didn't go, but then after that. And you know, when you're in your 20s and you're living at home, you got to obey. Let that be a note to some of you who have 20-year-olds living in your house. They should live by your rules. Anyway. Mom, you used to leave the Christian TV playing all the time. I hated it. Until I came in from work, TV's still playing. There's nobody home. God knows who's listening to it. I don't know. There's nobody in the house. And I come in, and there's Lester Summerall. And says, you just walked in the room. I'm talking to you right now, young man. I'm like, what? Ah! <laughs> well, this is the truth. 
Oh, it's totally the truth. And, and, he, and, you know, it was probably recorded years before or something. When I don't know. But it was, how many of you know the word of the Lord goes forth and it doesn't return void? It got new right when I was going to walk in the room. Young man, you walked in the room. I'm like, what? And he began to encourage me. Tell me I needed to serve God. I ended up weeping because my mother left the TV on. Christian TV. You got to be careful with some Christian TV now. But back then it was a little bit different. Christian TV on now and get defiled and hear some heresy or something. I started saying that we came to church because we needed breakthrough. We needed healing. We needed deliverance. We needed to learn how to live. I didn't know how to handle my money. I certainly didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know how to do any of that. Do you know that's what this place is? It's an equipping center. Oh, well, that's why we do things like the legacy deal. Because some of you don't know that you should have a will. Some of you don't know about having a health directive. You'll come away with that. At that, Why would you do that? Because it's, it's our job to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Your whole life should be healed and whole. You know, I don't come to church now because I need a breakthrough. I am breakthrough. I know that sounds kind of cocky, but... I, I walk in it. I have. I needed it. I have it. I don't come because I have to have that now. You know, many of you are here tonight, and I'm going to preach to you. You're here tonight because you need healing in your marriage. You need healing in your finances. You need healing in your body. Maybe, maybe you've heard about the honey from the honeycombs here. You're like, man, what's up with that place? I'm going to come check it out. You can smell the fragrance of the honey down the street. Every time you drive by and the car's packed out, you're like, what in God's name is going on? I mean, it's just like, I know it's a church, but there's cars there every, there's seven days a week. There has to come a place and a time, and I'm not saying that's bad that you've come for breakthrough. You've come to the right place. But in the course of time, there must come a maturity. I don't come because I need breakthrough. I come to help bring it. And I know there's many other leaders here for the, the, the same. You might not be the one up preaching and holding the microphone in your hand, but you know full on what I'm talking about. You're here to, to worship God and to serve him. You know, sometimes we've seen people come in and get the victory and, and then they leave. You know, Deuteronomy says, talks about that. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says that gives you power to get wealth. But before that, he's talking about don't forget when you've got goodly homes and gates you're blessed don't forget who did it and I see so many forget I see so many forget I'm going to preach to you from the book of Acts a very simple message about taking your place in God's army you're going to be encouraged tonight are you ready put your hands together for Jesus thank you Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. So would you believe tonight, Acts chapter 4, would you believe tonight that God, by his power, would speak to you, touch you, and move you forward in the plan of God, that not just would you receive breakthrough in wherever you need breakthrough, but that tonight, somehow, by faith, you would take your place in the army of God. The Lord is looking for people not to be a reed, Would you dream with me tonight? Would you believe tonight that God, God would help you to the point where you can help him? 
What do you mean by that? That literally your life is so transformed that you begin to bring transformation everywhere that you go. Acts chapter 4. We'll go ahead and stand if we can. If you're able to, please go right ahead. If you're not able to stand up. Before we read Acts 4, starting in verse 13, why is it that if you're filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you're not flowing and changing lives? Well, let's read the text. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Well, that'll preach all by itself, verse 14. And seeing a man who had been healed standing with them, could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, verse 16, saying, what should we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, and it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so it spreads no further. Among the people, let us severely threaten them. What kind of spirit, what kind of moron would do that? Someone who wants to stay in control, that's it. And from that time on, they spoke to no one in this name. Verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and the things which we have heard. Father, I thank you for your anointing, the power of God upon all of us, giving us ears to hear and a heart to respond. Lord, all those that are online, those that will listen in the future, May we be forever changed. May we, from tonight, endeavor to take our place in the army of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. All of Jerusalem was abuzz with the events that had taken place. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was crucified and rose again. Fifty days later, he poured out his spirit upon those in the upper room. Fire fell, 3,000 people got saved. Peter, who had denied the Lord, and as I said this morning, ran away from a girl at a fire. He was at a campfire, and some little girl scared him, and he ran away. He comes out and preaches till 3,000 people got saved. I mean, that's evidence alone to say something happened to those boys, those girls in that upper room. That it turned a cursing sailor who rejected the Lord who was afraid of speaking or preaching into the rock, into into Peter, the chief apostle. What happened to him? The power of the Holy Ghost is what happened. The power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. They're standing here in front of these two uneducated, ignorant fishermen in front of these religious leaders. And I want to just tell you, it had to be a very intimidating thing. All the pomp, the regalia, 
all of the all of the the show and the and the power and the authority of the religious leaders of the day. And here are two very isn't that just like God? See, to me, it's not very impressive when you have somebody that's already impressive, maybe an athlete, you know, someone who who just seems astoundingly smart and awesome. When God uses someone like that, you just think like, wow, they just had a lot of gift. But when God puts his supernatural upon a regular person, on a donkey, Oh, you know a few, do you? When God puts his extraordinary on your ordinary, it causes all who know you and all who see it to just go, oh, that's what happened here. It was just a bunch of fishermen. I think about how God anointed Gideon in the Old Testament, least of his tribe. Mighty man of valor. God defined him by his heart, but he's, he is, in, in the book of Judges, he's, he's basically in a wine press threshing wheat. Now, that's not where you thresh wheat. He's scared. Midianites oppressed the children of Israel, and an angel comes to the least, to little old Gideon, and says, mighty man of valor, I'm going to use you. And Gideon's like, what? You talking to me? You talking to me? And God uses him, raises up the 300, and conquered the Midianites, conquered the Amalekites that were more numerable than the sand of the seashore. When the Bible says that, it really actually means that. 300 men. How does that happen? It's not a cute little flanograph story well, it probably is that also, but it's a historical event that took place. And they'll find more and more archaeology to back up different things in Scripture, just like they have been doing. It'll just keep coming out and keep proving, and there'll always be those who are like, well, that's a fable. But in actual fact, it isn't. These things happened. I think about Deborah and Barak. I think about, about David, the, the, the young, ruddy shepherd boy. God put his power on him. He was practicing with his slingshot. He got good, killed the lion and the bear. Little did he know he would go and take out the uncircumcised Philistine. It's impressive when someone so small and someone so seemingly insignificant in the eyes of the world would then be used by God to drop an impossibility. It's impressive when God takes the likes of you and me and uses us to change the world. But that is how God does it. Why? Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of his glory would be seen through us. We're all a bunch of crackpots. All of us. And so when God shines through you, Can you imagine the donkey? I mean, some of you were rejoicing in the donkey statement just a little bit ago, so we'll talk about donkeys for a second. Can you imagine the donkey as they're, as they're, as they're laying down you know, their clothes and the donkey's walking over and they're waving palm branches and they're singing Hosanna 
and the, the palm branch is a sign of revolution, and Jesus is riding in. Can you imagine the donkey with the Lord on his back saying, thank you very much, I'll just be here for one night. I'm here, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, yes. They're all laying their clothes out for me. Now, it's, it's the Lord on you. I was going to use some King James, but I got in trouble with that just recently. And if we had had children's ministry, I would use it again just for, the, for effect. I think about... Now I think about the Lord and how he saved me and how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. Oh, that's a song. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me. I don't know the rest of the song, but it's good. Because God will take you. We're all, we're all fallen, broken people that God then takes and puts his extraordinary on us to put us on display. And I'm telling you, God wants you to take your place in his army tonight. God wants a yes from your spirit to say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna flounder anymore. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a jack. I'm not gonna anymore. Understand that God wants to use you like he used them. These were ordinary men. It doesn't just say that for no good reason. Because we all feel ordinary. You know, I don't know the level of impact or what that message will do from this morning. I just know in my spirit, you know, five hours later, I'm still shaking from it. I'm thinking, gosh, I guess that had some juice on that thing. And I had people text me and, I was like, oh, oh, oh. I don't know the effects of that, but I pray that it would be far-reaching even to eternity. You don't know how God's using you, that kind smile, or how you served those children, or how, how you served over in Eagle River, and when you played your, your ukulele and it sounded like a dying whale. But you did your best. That, that word of encouragement... <laughs> That you brought that, that sister in the checkout line and when you shared a coupon or when you, put, when you purchased her coffee, when you, when you went the extra mile with somebody, you don't know what that does. When you, you, you were intimidated, you didn't want to do it, but you laid hands on that person and they got healed. How can we be like that? How can we be like that? Hebrews 11.32, for time would fail to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant, became valiant in battle. Do you know what that means? That means they weren't when they were first in it, but then something happened. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. 
I mean, on and on and on. I'm telling you that God has called you to taste honey from the honeycomb, receive power from heaven, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, to put his extraordinary on your ordinary, and to raise you up to be a son of the Most High, a daughter of the Most High God, to lay hands on the sick, quit living beneath your God-given blood-bought right, and begin to step up and take your place in the army of God. Quit belly aching. Quit murmuring. I am going to talk to you tonight, giving you four. How many? Four. Four. It's preacher. Four principles that will determine whether you walk in extraordinary anointing and power in this hour or not. Super simple message. Number one, for all of you note-takers, and I didn't give you notes on purpose so I could feel free to deviate anytime I want to. Number one, what is your proximity to Jesus? How close to you, how close are you to the Savior? How close are you to the, to the Master? How close are you to the Lord? How close? Because only you can really determine that. That's, that's not something that God does. That's something you do. Number two, will you pay the price of preparation? Now I was talking about digging ditches. Go look that scripture up. You need to prepare. There's a price for preparation. I don't really care for it. I don't. I, I don't really like, you know, preparing. But when there comes a mighty deluge of God's power and you haven't prepared, you haven't done your part, you will experience it in a limited way. Number three, what is your level of passion? How much passion do you have? I'm certainly not talking about earthly passion. And number four, will you embrace your purpose? Will you embrace your purpose? So number one, are you drawing close to him in the word? Because nobody can do that for you. I can't do that for you. I mean, you can come. You can come to church. I'm glad you did. I mean, there's a lot of people here tonight. There's people online. Those people listen later. Praise God. Nobody made you come, I hope, unless you were like in your 20s and your mom made you come. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but I mean, you chose to come. You chose to get up this morning and come to, come to that service. You, you, you chose to say, well, you know something? I'm going to, I'm going to church. I, I want to ride my new sportsman, you know, my four-wheeler, but I, I'm going to church. I'm going to go to church. I'll ride the four-wheeler after. I hope pastor doesn't preach too long. God, help him not preach too long, God. Oh, God, we'll eat after church. What if church is long? We're going to after. You know, only you can do that. Only you can determine whether you're going to open the word. Only you can determine how close you are to work to him in worship. And, and you know what? It's easy to say, well, hmm, I didn't really like those songs today. Worship. Worship him. Worship him. Only you can determine whether you're going to enter into worship. Only you can draw close to him in action. Listen, on the 25th, we have this financial, you know, whatever it's called, workshop thing. What's it called? Legacy. Uh, some of you don't know what a miracle is that I'm standing here. You, you have to sign up for that. I can't sign you up for that. 
you know, I'm probably going to get to this later, but I, I don't do arm-twisting discipleship. I refuse to do it. I did it for probably 10 years. You want to burn out in ministry? Try to force people to serve God. And I don't mean like violently force them, but I mean constantly trying to massage them. Const oh, please. Oh, please, won't you come? Please, oh, please, would you please come? No, really, really, it's going to be good. Really, I don't do that anymore. You don't want to come pound the sand. We're going to have revival. God will bring the hungry people. I just don't do it anymore. It's not that we don't reach out to people and help them. We're going to do that. We're going to pray. But I'm not like, oh, come on, I'm going to bring, you know, somebody got to twist your arm. Somebody said, you should put barbed wire around the church so that you have to crawl over barbed wire if you really want to hear the word of God. They do that in California. You'll really see who's hungry to get to church. God help California. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Go to Acts 9. Background of Acts 9, before we read it, Acts 9, we'll start in verse 9. Acts 9, verse 9, we'll start there in just a moment. Background, very simply, is that Saul of Tarsus is persecuting the church. The first martyr's taken place, Stephen. He was stoned, which is different than what other people do today, even though they say it's legal. It still will take you to hell. I don't care if they legalized it. Oh, did that offend you? I didn't even hardly start. If I feel any pushback, I'll preach on dope all the rest of the service. If I, if I feel any pushback, I'm just going to keep punching that thing in the throat. That's not a gateway. I see I'm feeling pushback. That's not, that's not a gateway, Jack. Smoke poison sumac then. See how that works. But you get really high from that. You'd shortly thereafter die. Don't Everybody say, don't smoke poison sumac. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to do... Do you remember Etch-A-Sketch? Something that works for me, if I experience something that's defiling, I'll do an Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> You're shaking. So why don't you just shake that off for a minute? That was for just a few select people. Come on, just go like this. Okay. Background of Acts 9. Background of Acts 9 is that Saul of Tarsus has now got letters from, from the leaders, and he's on the way to go persecute the church. And, and, and we, we, we take it up here in verse 9 where the Lord has spoken to him. And said, Saul, Saul, why are, you, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I, I'm Jesus. And he's like, oh, God, I, oh, God. Who's very deceived, and he, and he becomes blind. And, and now Acts 9 and verse 9, God speaks to this man. We never hear from him again. It's the only time he's in Scripture. His name is Ananias. Acts 9, verse 9. He was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now, there's a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise and go to a street called Straight. I mean, that's quite a, that's quite a word of knowledge, right? So God's telling him, he's giving him GPS, God's positioning system. How many of you like Siri? Oops. Okay. Take me to, you know, 855 North Elm Street. Right, And then it's like, make a right, make a left, go for 30 miles, right? God speaks to him and tells him, go to a street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas. He's like, I know Judas. Yeah, there's a guy there. His name is Saul of Tarsus. He's like, oh, snap, I heard of that guy. I mean, this is quite a word. 
Do you hear God like that? One person raises her hand. No, you just think you do. I thought that was hysterical. You guys didn't laugh at all. I thought it was really funny. Do you hear God like that? It's rhetorical. You know what I mean? Like stand up and tell us what you heard. Can you hear God like that? And the answer is absolutely positively yes. Should you hear God like that? I think that everyone can. I'm glad you raised your hand. Praise God. Yes, I do. Good. Wonderful. This Ananias was close enough to the Lord to hear that. And then you have to understand that Saul of Tarsus was a Christian killer. So he wasn't just an average guy. Everybody knew who he was, and he came to persecute the church. And you see this discussion. So the Lord says, verse 11, go, there he's there. Behold, he's praying. And then the Lord says to him in verse 12, I mean, this is quite a word, and in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias. So he's like, oh, that's me. Yeah, he saw you in a vision. Whoa. This is quite a, this is quite a word. And he sees him coming, laying his hands on him, verse 12, that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, oh, Lord, I've heard of this guy. How much harm he's brought to the saints of Jerusalem. And uh, he's come to hurt us, Lord. And, and, and he's come with the authority, verse 14, to bind all those who call on your name. And by the way, Lord, just in case you forgot, that's me. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go. Go, he's my chosen vessel. Ananias, I tell you to go, Ananias. Ananias, it's the word of heaven to you, Ananias. Go. He's my chosen vessel. I've chosen him. Verse 16, for I will show him how many things. He's going to suffer for my name. That's crazy. Say, Lord, I want to go. The guy's come to kill and bind us all. Ananias, go. Ananias was close enough to the Lord to know and discern his voice that it would possibly, if he got it wrong, to end up in death prematurely. We never hear from him again, yet he's, he's called by God. He paid a price to be close to Jesus, enough to hear that, enough to hear, do this, this, and this. And then to show up, and, and, and you know, you could go read the rest of the text. He shows up, and Paul confirms that he had the vision, you know, oh, here Ananias, Ananias. I mean, what an amazing supernatural thing. Do you know that's supposed to happen today? Same kind of thing. And, and it does for those who were close to the Lord. You know, but God's been speaking to you for years to quit smoking cigarettes or quit smoking dope or put your makers up and put away your crown royal. I know none of you know what that is. <laughs> Step away from that relationship that's been poisoning you to be committed, to read your word and pray, to draw close. He's constantly trying to woo us, constantly. And we're constantly, you know, not everybody, but, but we have a tendency to fight him. How close are you to Jesus? I can't do that for you. You have to do that. If you're going to take the place in God's army, you have to draw close to God. 
You want to go around the mountain again? I'm done going around the mountain. Is there anybody else? I'm done. I'm not going around the mountain. I'm going into, I'm staying in. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to live in the promised land. I woke up from my nap. I have this piece of artwork on my mantle in my, in my bedroom, and it sees two it's these two spies that, that part of the 12 when they went to go check out the land and they came back with the, with the bundle of grapes. And it's these two spies holding a rod like this and between them is this massive thing of grapes. And they're, they're on the way back to talk to Joshua. And as I woke up, I saw that glistening and I thought, oh yeah. I felt like that not long ago with a bunch of fish on a stick me and my son walked all those miles with brown bears everywhere. Like, hallelujah, we're bringing in the harvest. And as it glistened, I realized God, wants, God is going to do something amazing in my life. Why? Because I want to be like that. I want to be some. Is there anybody else? You want to be close enough to God. You want to be close enough that when he whispers to go minister to the killer, you better be hearing from God. Wow, there's people that are waiting for you, Ananias. Number two, the price of preparation. Discipleship is teaching people to obey. Discipleship is teaching people to obey. Say it again. Discipleship is teaching people to obey. Will, will you pray the price of preparation? I remember a number of years ago, I was on the island of Molokai, and I've shared this many, many times, so I won't go too long. Um, but the Lord spoke to me. I, had a, I, had, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision. Dreams when you're sleeping, visions when you're awake. I don't know which one it was. And, and they've just, they, they come and go for me at, at any time that, that can happen. Some are more vivid and carry more weight than others. Some are almost a, a whispering touch of the Holy Spirit upon a sanctified imagination, if I could say it that way. Other ones are way more vivid, way more dramatic and intense. And usually the level of anointing on the dream, on the vision, is the level of importance that the Lord is placing on it. That's how it is for me. So I've had times where I've woke up in my room, it's like the curtains are blowing straight up, and the Lord's just like, <laughs> I'm like, what? What? It's like, I just want to make sure you're paying attention. And it was that dream. I'm like, I got it. I got it. I got it. He speaks to me in simple ways. I don't need somebody to interpret. You know, certain vaguer dreams I need interpreted, but, but when he really wants to get clear to me, he makes it plain, he speaks to me, he visits me, and I know. I don't need anybody to interpret it. And then, I, of course, I weigh it with the word and, and those around me and my wife. So I have this dream or vision. I don't know which it is. And in the dream or vision, I, 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 I'm on a 40-day 40 40 day water fast on the island of Molokai. And at the end of the fast, I run up this mountain with a giant broadsword. Can you go get it? It's the wooden-handled one, not the fancy one. I think you know that, but just checking. So I, I, I run up the mountain with this broadsword. And, and, you know, it's a dream and a vision, so I'm like totally ripped, glistening. In actual fact, I think it was probably 80 pounds overweight right then, but somehow it was supernaturally in shape. It was my spirit man, that's why. It's like, my spirit man's totally shredded. Hallelujah. 
So I'm running up this mountain where they worship this god called Mo'o. And literally, to hear the story of Mo'o on the island of Molokai is so sad because for generations, these families have maintained the altars of Mo'o. And all the families, cancer, disease, I mean brokenness beyond anything. I, I, I mean like horrible defilement and brokenness over those families. And the, I go on this, in this dream, in this vision, 40-day water fast at the end. I run all the way up to the top on this mo'o thing. And it's, it literally, it looks like a gecko. Does anybody know what a gecko is? Okay, so it looks like this lizard on the mountain. You can see it. And, uh, and so I ran up the tail all the way to the head. I got to the head and I pull out this broadsword and I pray in this language I've never heard of before. I mean like Conan the Barbarian, but like holy. Huh? You got the picture? Don't watch that movie. It's horrible. And I, I take this broadsword and I stab it in the back of Mo'o and it writhes for a minute and just like, boof, explosion of God's power all over the island. And I wake up. I'm like, whoa, that's intense. God's in my room. I'm like, whoa, wow. Whoa, Lord. Does that mean I'm supposed to do a 40-day fast? No, no, no. That must be just figuratively. So, so I, I'm seeking the Lord about that. I go to church on Sunday. I think it's Sunday night. That was, that was Tuesday night to Wednesday. Sunday morning. Now, Sunday night. And this guy, his name is Forrest. In actual fact, he's from Fairbanks, Alaska. Forrest and Felly. He comes to church and he says, Pastor, I, I, I need to repent. I said, okay. Praise God. I had to repent this week too. <laughs> he said, no, I need to repent. I had a dream and I, in my dream, I gave you something and I was supposed to give it to you Wednesday, but I... I couldn't give it to you because I, it's really special to me and I just couldn't give it to you. I said, okay. He said, but I'm going to obey now. I said, all right. So we walk to his car. He pops a trunk and he pulls out this thing wrapped in a, in a white sheet. And he unwraps it and he pulls it out and this is in the sheet. Oh, yeah, whoa, I'm... My first, my first moment of seeing it was like, oh, my God, it's my dream. Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's not such a good word for some people, but that's what I thought. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. That means, that means I have to do a 40-day fast. I, I, I've never done one of those. If the guy's giving me the dream with a sword, I mean, this was what was on my back in my dream, and I'm thinking... Maybe that means I'm going to be supernaturally ripped. I heard about supernatural weight loss. <laughs> I set the date, and I died. It felt like death. I can't tell you how challenging that was. And I wish to say that, you know, that it was just like the anointing came on me, and I could just, yes, not eat anything. No, it wasn't easy. It was, it was difficult, especially for... The first 21 days, I think it might have started to get easier after that. On day 36, I popped a can of cat food and nearly ate it. 
And I got very upset. That was the rule. I had to feed the cat because Pastor Karen was allergic to, is allergic to cats. And I actually, may the Lord heal you of the dog thing and everything. May you not be healed of cats because we're never going to have them. And so that'll just help us never have a cat. I go out day 36 or 37 right around there, close, really close. And it's just like there's a thin veil. I'm just like walking around. I'd lose my wallet. I gave up my wallet. I wouldn't never, keys, I don't drive anymore. It's like. And so I go out and I I look at the can, and the cat's like rubbing against my legs like they do, so irritating. <laughs> and I pop that thing, you know, like frisky whiskers or whatever it is. I, mean, I don't know what it was. And I pop it, I peel it back, and I'm like, oh. Oh, and then it had to be like the Lord woke me out of it. On the third whiff, I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I knocked the can out, went in and said, I'm not feeding the cat till this is over. That's it. She said, what's the matter? I said, I'm just not. That's it. Somehow I was able to finish that 40-day fast. And on the 40th day, my mama came and picked me up. I was weak, early, four in the morning. I know you remember, Mom. What a day. And we drove out to Mo'o. We parked all the way. felt to go from the beach all the way to the top of Mo'o, which is quite a hike. I had water with me. I didn't know how long it would take. I had my backpack. I had my sword in there exactly like I had in my dream. You know, Conan style, right here, like this. And I took off running. I think we parked at that church. That, that We parked just below that church, and I ran past and all the way up and kept running. And I had to run through Keave, and soon I began to get up on top of the, the mountain, past goats, running all the way up, praying in the Spirit the whole time. It took me quite a long time. I climbed up to, I, I don't know, I was probably 2,000 feet, I'm guessing, Thereabouts, that's about right, maybe a little under that. And I, I, once I got up there, any of you climb mountains? I mean, I could see it clearly from the beach. There it is, that's where I'm going. But once I got up there, man, I didn't even know where I was. I mean, I knew I was like on the mountain somewhere. I could see the beach. I'm like, where? I'm on, I'm on this thing. I need to stab it in the back of the head like the dream, Lord. Where is it? And I just kept running and I kept running. And finally, the Lord speaks to me and says, this is it. And I got, our, I got Dr. Morocco on my Nextel. Does anybody remember those Nextel things? And that thing had the best speakerphone. Oh, my gosh. It was an amazing speakerphone. And I, I called Dr. Morocco, who knew what I was doing. And I said, here's what happened. I'm, I'm, I've done it. I've done the 40-day fast. I'm on, I'm on top of Mo. And I, I mean, like, the wind is blowing. I'm like, ah. I mean, it was so intense. He says, Daniel, God's with you. I'm like, hallelujah. He says, all right, men. I'm like, I'm like who's he talking to? He's like, he's like, Pastor Daniel's done a 40-day fast. He's on Molokai, and we're going to pray. And I heard this roar. They had a men's prayer breakfast at the exact same time. And I hear these men roaring. 
And, and while they're roaring, man, I pulled that thing out. I, I unsheathed that thing and did what I saw in my dream. I wielded that and this unusual language came out. Not my normal tongue, something else. Something else. And I was wheeling that thing around like a wild man while he's praying. And then when I felt that moment, I took it and said, wham, I drove it into the ground. You can see that this is still dented from when I drove it into the mountain. Go ahead, do you want to see it? And I felt this shake, and I had a pu'u shell. And I blew that thing, which is like a Hawaiian equivalent of a shofar. And I blew that, and it was like the island shook. I mean, it was super intense. Do you know what happened after that? Right after that, the church doubled in size within less than 60 days. And I was instantly catapulted off of the island by a directive from Dr. Morocco to take Kauai. And pastor, now Pastor Robert, who's taken my place, was installed as the pastor. It was miraculous. And I was off. Do you know that I would not be standing here had I not fasted and prayed like that. Only you can pay the price of preparation. So when God tells you to begin to practice and play that piano, impossible that you would be leading the whole congregation to worship, but then in your heart you're like, no, but maybe, you know. And then you improve and you improve and you practice. And I'm sure he drove you crazy. I mean, he drives you crazy anyway, but... Listen to him plunk that thing out, and then you started getting better, and then you started feeling God's power, then you started really flowing, and now look at what God's done. If you had not done that, you wouldn't be up there. He paid the price of preparation. What's he telling you to do now? What's he telling you to do? What's he telling you to do? What is the price of preparation that you need to do? What ditch digging do you need to do so God could, God could pour waters into your ditches? Just wanted to see how far that thing goes. What's he telling you to do? What are you, are you preparing? Are you paying the price of preparation? I'm being convicted right now. God's been telling some of you to do something for years, and you just keep, you're lazy. You lazy, mm, mm, you lazy, eh, eh, you lazy, eh, you lazy, lazy, you lazy, mm, mm, you lazy. The cousin of Boaz. Lazy. Right, okay, let's move on. You might get that on the way home. Let's have a praise break. It's all the cousins. Broke, broke as, stupid as, lazy as.
Pastor Kirsten taught me that. My God, did that just happen? That person that got offended at the jack definitely ain't coming back now. He definitely ain't coming back. We have sealed the door. Everybody say Boaz. We'll never think of that the same again. Exodus, no, Acts. <laughs> Acts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sing with me, everybody. Hallelujah. Keep singing. here. You may be seated. Anytime now, keys. Church is supposed to be fun. Should we go a little bit longer? All right. See, you guys should have been here. Those of you online, you just missed out. Could have got rebaptized. We could just call ourselves the Anabaptists. 
Acts 15. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you're circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Everybody say, ah. Right. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small discussion and dispute with them, no small discussion and dispute. So there's a serious argument that takes place. And I would venture to say there's yelling. I mean, it's, it's a serious biblical proportion fight. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go to, to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. And being sent on their way by the church, passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they cause great joy to all the brethren because people are getting saved and churches are being planted. I mean, it's just awesome. They came to Jerusalem. They were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all the things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and the elders came together and considered this matter. And when they had, when there had been much dispute, Peter rose and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God knows the heart, acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. And the multitude kept silent, listened to Barnabas and Paul, describing many miracles and wonders that God had worked through them among the Gentiles. They testified, verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered and said, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has de declared how God at the first visit of the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with these words, the prophets agree, just as it is written. Okay, go down to verse 22. And it pleased the apostles and the elders and the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, named Judas, who's also named Barnabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. If you study this person, John, Mark, there, there, comes, there comes this biblical proportion fight between Paul and, and Barnabas. Because Barnabas wants to take John with him. Actually, Mark. 
John Mark, it's the same guy. And Paul's like, I'm not taking him because he turned and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he took off. He was scared. He left the mission team. You've led a lot of mission teams. If anybody turns and runs home, we'd probably be thinking twice about sending him on the next mission team, right? Maybe three, four, five, six times. We'd have to have a dream, a vision, a goldfish. I'd have to jump up to a triple gainer, <laughs> land back down in the fish tank without splashing, and then we'd know that we would send that person on the mission team again. So it's like that. Barnabas is like, we're not taking him. And Barnabas is all, yeah, no, we are. He says, no, we're not. John Mark was with Jesus when he fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000. What all the meetings couldn't do in John Mark, Barnabas did by taking him under his arm and bringing him along. Discipleship. My message is scrambled since the Boaz thing. The Boaz debacle. God wants you to take your place in the army of God. How close will you be to Jesus, number one? Number two, will you pay the price of discipleship? You'll be like, will you prepare? You'll be like Ananias and be like, be like this person right here. What all the prayer meetings couldn't produce in John Mark, discipleship was produced in covenant relationship with Barnabas and John Mark, who, by the way, wrote the book of Mark. He was Peter's amanuasis. He was with Jesus, but that didn't produce in him fearless faith, ferocity. And you see that Barnabas takes him back, what I believe to be the very same place that he was wounded and hurt and scared. It could have been over, you know, that bar Jesus guy, that darkness came, Paul prayed over him and darkness came over him and I think it was there, but I mean, we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Who, who are you walking with that really knows you? Who's discipling you? Because if you don't have that, I honestly think you can read the word day and night, but it works out in the soil, the context of relationship together. He sends them two by two. Not one by one, two by two. How can two of you agree? You know, Ecclesiastes talks about that. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Once you take your place in God's army, would you, would you draw close to God, number one? Number two, will you pay the price? Preparedness, discipleship. Number three, what's your passion level? And I, I've got to close, I think. You know, only you can determine how red hot you are for God. And if you don't have passion that can get you up to get to prayer, your passion is, is weak. I, I read that somewhere. Passion that doesn't wipe sleep from its eyes to pray is no passion at all. I read that. So don't get mad at me. How passionate are you for God? If you look at Acts 16... There's this lady, her name is Lydia. She persuades Paul. Her passion was like so, she was so fiery, she wouldn't let Paul go. Please come back to my house. Just, would you please come back to my house, please. You never run into somebody like that? I just talked to an evangelist friend of ours that I haven't talked to in at least eight years. And 
and he, and he contacts me and he leaves me a message. And the message is, you know, I, I need to talk to you, please call me. So I call him and he says, oh, Brother Daniel, Brother Daniel, I hear so many great things happening up in Alaska. I says, we wanna come visit you. We're gonna come visit you. I'm gonna preach and God's gonna pour out his spirit. So I'm like, Hold on a second, bro. <laughs> you know, he just went on this litany about how he's, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna fly up, I'm gonna bring my wife, we're gonna have this time, we're gonna get refreshed, I'm gonna preach for you. God's gonna pour out his spirit. He's gonna bring people in the church. Power God, it's gonna be amazing. And it's gonna be like in next week. And so, so if you just get ready, I say, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> hold on a second. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Uh, we got, you know, appreciate your zeal. Amen. We have a, already an agenda, so you're not on it. You know, I mean, I was nicer than that, obviously. But I mean, very lovingly forceful. He said, no, that's okay. We'll just come. We'll be part of the prayer meetings. We'll just come. And uh, I just want to be a blessing. We're just going to pray for you. We're going to come. I've got some gifts. I want to bless you. I'm like, okay. And he's sincere. He's not, you know, blowing smoke. He's sincere. But I mean, like zealous and, and, and pushy, kind of. Pushy in God. Oh my God, that's, I mean, it made me chuckle like, no, it's okay, I don't have to preach. I'm just gonna come and uh, we'll just rent our own car. We're gonna stay in a place and maybe we'll, we can do some fishing. Can we just share a meal? We'll have a meal together. And, and I'm just like, he's not taking no for an answer, you know? So he's like, no, we'll just come. You know, if, just, just a little bit of fellowship. And so what comes, I'm, I'm gonna come and preach to you. God's gonna pour out his spirit and all this. Things. But that's not happening. So he just wants to come. Then it's like, I'm gonna take you to dinner and maybe we could have a few moments. And I, the, his intensity and his passion I heard about what God's doing. Oh, I'm going to come. just want to see it. just want to be a part of it. And I ended up laughing. And I thought, well, come on then. Come on. He's like, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, well, we might have room for you at Eagle River or something. We'll see. We'll see. No, I don't, I'm not knocking it. We, we, I've got a guest next weekend. It would have begin next week. It was going to be this coming weekend. So it's not working. I get tip shuttles worth. I'm not. It's amazing what God's doing. Amazing. And this is a great man. It just wasn't on the schedule. But his passion his passion compelled me. His passion knocked on the door to the point where I was like, dude, all right then, come. All right, you want to come to a great prayer meeting? Come. We'll give you a section to pray or something. It'll be great. All right? All right. He's like, really? Great. Awesome. I'll make the plans. And I'm going to book my tickets. And so he does this whole thing. He had a passion that opened the door. I wasn't, I'm not just opening the door because somebody, I know him. Please understand me. What's your passion level like? Come on, some of you need to check your pulse for God's sake. It's the frozen chosen. Where's your passion? Where's your fire? If you lost your passion, lost your fire, it's not God's fault. It's yours. When you taste honey from the honeycomb, when you encounter God in the Bible and he encounters you, something happens when he takes a call from his altar and he places it upon your lips. Something happens when you read the word and it illuminates your heart and all of a sudden the power of God comes on you when you're praying in tongues, walking back and forth in your in your, in your front yard and, you, and you're just praying in the spirit and all of a sudden something happens, your heart just begins to swell. I mean, some of you are so addicted to your phone, so addicted to that series on Netflix or whatever it is, and you don't spend any time. How, can, how do you expect to have passion for God if you don't spend any? Listen, Linda, Linda. Listen, Linda. Listen. My wife and I need to go away. 
we're gonna. Hopefully, like tomorrow morning, my truck is fixed. I'm gonna drive on out with my camper on. I'm gonna drive out and I'm not taking my kids. They're coming later. No, no offense. And you're not coming. I love you. It's not time for you. It's time for me. So me time. Come on, somebody say me time. I don't mean that a selfish way. I'm just saying in your marriage, you better have dates. You better, you better cultivate that thing. Some of you don't know about that. You're like, oh, I fell out of love. That's because you're dumb. You need to call. There's another cousin of Boaz right there. You dumb. You need to pour into relationships. You need to spend time. I'm going to spend time with my bride. We're going to cook some steaks somewhere on a mountain. Do some fishing. Play cards and stuff. Amen. You have to cultivate that. There's a book called Strike the Original Match. Some of you, some of you lost your matches. I was watching this thing. I'm almost done. It's 801. There's nothing on Netflix or TV. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, this thing called Alone. Anybody seen it? It's a series. We kind of like it. And uh, it's, uh, it's got some sections of people. They need help. But this guy loses his, what is it called? Those little, you know, flint lighting something. Come on, is there any backwoods people right here? Well, you're all backwoods people. What's going on? We're in Alaska. <laughs> What's it called? It's those flint things, you know. You... Flint steel, right. So in, in a couple of these shows, these guys lose their flint steel. And, and the, the one guy has it by the fire, and it just melts, you know. And he goes back, he looks at his footage. They, they all fit. It's called alone. And so he, his flint thing, he sees that he left it by the fire. Well, that stuff melts, and it just melted. And so he had no ability to make fire. He's like, that's it. I got to tap out, you know, unless I can have fire. How do you actually think you're going to finish your race? How do you actually think you're going to serve God without the fire and the passion and the zeal the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You can't teach demons. Demons need to be forcefully evicted. Won't you take your place in God's army? Won't you position yourself? Won't you pay the price to draw close to God? Won't you pay the price of discipleship? Won't you check your passion level? And then lastly, I'm done. Maybe. Embrace your purpose. God wants to burn purpose in your heart. You're not just here to suffer. Eat a TV dinner, watch TV, go to bed, wake up, and go to the same stinking job you've been going to for 10 years or five years. Hope that you can make enough money to pay. That is not God's plan and will for your life, that you should just survive. You survive. No, God's plan for your life is to you embrace your purpose. You wrap your arms around that thing and do what God made you to do. 
do what God do what God had planned for you to do. Even when you were yet in your mother's womb, He had a plan. He, he knows you. He knows you. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. It's time to take your place. It's time for God to put His extraordinary on your ordinary, but it's up to you to do it. And I've known many people. I've pastored long enough to see people come in, get healed, get the little blessing, and run out and backslide straight to hell. And then I pray that God brings them back in and they come back in. They're like a stinking Duncan yo-yo. You guys don't remember Duncan? It was a toy company. They made yo-yos back in the 70s. They're on fire. They're in, they're in the, the down and out. They're on fire. They're in the down. Ah, uh, what an exhausting life. How about just live with passion and purpose? How about serve? How about get discipled? How about take your place instead of be the lone ranger? How, do, how, about, how, about, how about partner with, with your Barnabas, John Mark? And get healed of your rejection. How about get healed of your father wound? How about, how about get healed of being a flake? Or being lazy? Take your place. I charge you to take your place in the army of God. That is how God is going to reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Take your place. Lift your hands to heaven. While Minister Micah sends this anointed prophetic song over you right now. Stop being lazy. Stop being dumb. Take your place. Take, take, take your place. you've been through I just know the Savior and he can take a donkey like you Jack he can take you heal you set you free and put you in a place of tremendous productivity John Mark used by God to write the book of Mark the stories of Peter God can take you you might have blown it on a mission trip you might have backslidden listen come back to God get set on fire position yourself in the army of God take your place in the army of God it's the only way we'll fulfill what God called us to do it's not one man or two men or three men it's an army come on stand up on your feet and tell them I'm gonna take my place say it I'm gonna take my place come on say it again I'm gonna take my place in the army of God say it put your hands together for Jesus Every head bowed, first saying is receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, I charge you, I can be compelled by the love of God to get reconciled with Him. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Turn from your sin for the first time or a recommitment. You say, that's me, Pastor. 
Would you lift your hand high right now all across this place? Lift your hand. You want to get right with God. God bless you, son. I see that hand. That's good. That's why we're here. God bless you. Over on this side, God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome. Those online. Hallelujah. If you meant business with God, you want to receive Jesus or recommit your life, would you please meet me right here? We're going to pray all together. If you raised your hand or you didn't, but you know you need to be included in this prayer, just step out from where you are. There's others that are coming with you. You will not be alone. Come on, come right here. God's hands on you, son. God's hands on you. Come on, come. Just come all the way up front. Come, come as close to my hand as you can. Come on, squeeze in here. Awesome. Are you ready? You ready? Why don't we take a knee? Just take a knee all across this place. Come on. If you feel led to take a knee out there, come on, just, just you're humbling yourself before the Lord. Pray this with me. This is practice for Tiff Shuttlesworth because he always has people taking a knee. Come on, say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you stand and just lift your hands all across this place? Lift your hands to heaven. I pray Holy Spirit right now. Let your Holy Spirit come. Let fresh fire and power break every chain, break every bondage in Jesus' name. Baptize these with your precious Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to do this. Pastor Vince, would you lead this glorious crew right out to the lobby, if you would, for just a moment. We're going to give you a gift and help you grow in the things of God. Would you put your hands together as you follow Pastor Vince down this side right here? Would you Would you kindly just go ahead? We'll just take a few moments of your time. Oh, come on, don't stop. Come on, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. two outside, I want to say this to you. If you say in your heart tonight, Pastor, that's it. I'm going all the way. I'm taking my place. You know, some of you have already said that. So this walk that I'm about to ask you to take, it's just already an affirmation of what's taking place. But some of you are like, I think I've not been exactly on purpose. I'm going I'm to get after it. I'm going to take my place in God's end time army. I'm going to pay the price for discipleship. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to prepare for what God's called me to. Come on, I'm going to draw close to God. I'm I'm going to get discipled. I'm going to pray, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to check my passion level. And I will take my place. I will be not be dissuaded from what God's called me to do. You say that's me, pastor. Good. Step out from where you are, make a declaration by coming all the way up just on the floor, all the way up to the stairs. I'm doing it. I'm going all the way.
Come on, tell him. Tell him you're going to go all the way. You're going to run your course. Tell him. You tell God. Come on, you don't need to lead you in this. You tell him. You tell him with your own voice. I will do what you called me to do. I'll say what you called me to say. I'm going to obey. I'm taking my place. Come on, I'm taking my, my place in the army of God. We decree it. We proclaim it. We proclaim it today. fact he's called you to pastor yeah worship leader too but it's pastor so get the classes because what you're doing right now is temporary and you know it Hmm. In the scriptures, there's a couple. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila. They were persecuted in Rome. Persecuted the Jews and kicked them all out because they were teaching things to Romans. There were was purity and holiness. It was it, it was the word Judaism. But then they got born again. They got saved. And you see them helping Paul. They were in the, the, same, the same industry, tent makers, which I've heard some say it's making tallits. I, I didn't get a chance to study that out just yet. But they had the same, you know, trade that Paul did. And they, they hung together and Paul imparted to them and trained them. So it was a husband and wife team. And uh, later on in Ephesus, I think it's in Romans. Oh, shout out. I, I, I need to go look. But later on this this man comes and his name is Apollos and they teach Apollos the word of God more precisely the hand of the Lord has been upon you all of these years and the evidence of the anointing is upon your life upon your business upon everything that you do as you know, the anointing is not for making money. The anointing is not for having favor with people. The anointing is to expand the kingdom. It does include money. It does include favor. But it is for expanding the kingdom of God. And the Lord says in the next six months that there is going to be some rapid gear shifting that takes place. Some things are t coming even in, at work. There's some changes and things that are going to occur. It's already been you're on your heart. You've been praying. You have not been foolhardy. You've not launched out prematurely. You've waited. And in fact, you've waited even for a moment like this. Because you know that, that, I, that I love you. I'm telling you the anointing of God is upon you. And you're going to raise up Apollos's. Apollos was a tremendously educated, incredible orator, but he needed some training. God's going to bring you people that you train. And I see you pastoring. I see God using you to shake a city. 
What city? I don't know. It's probably placed it on your heart. I see God using you to shake a city. A city shaking anointing. The fire and the power of God. As you said yes to me, says the Lord, your yes is beautiful. And I put fresh oil, power, authority. I bring you up to the next place, calling and purpose. I dust you off of the frustration of the last season. And I declare over you the plan of God. Bring it forth. In Jesus' name. Bring it forth in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. We want to be used by you. That's our declaration to take your place, to take our place. Come on, won't you say that to him? I want to be used. I want to be used by. That's why we're in the earth. I want to be used by you. In Jesus' name, I want to be used by you. So don't look me over. I'm waiting for you broken. I want to be used by you. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. You see our hearts. You see us before you. We say yes. Come on, won't you say yes to him? We say yes to your plan. Yes to your will. We take our place. So get involved. Serve here. Find a place to serve. Find a place. Get in a life group. Help with the youth team, their children's team. Find a place. Develop covenant relationship with people. I know you're coming to church. You're here on a Sunday night. Do your part to draw close to God, to obey Him. Help at Primrose. They need help over there. That's going to open in Jesus' name. Serve at some capacity. Can you say amen? And who knows? Maybe in your serving in your home, as you you know, not everybody's gonna stand in front of people and preach. But you might be able to open your home and you might disciple the next Billy Graham. You might you might have the next Apollos come alongside as you impart to them the word. Your kids might rise up to to make a difference in the nation. I'm expecting it. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Wednesday night, Pastor Gill's going to be preaching. It's going to be amazing. For those of you that are headed down down to the river, we will see you down there. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.